Welcome to Zichur Daf Simanim Amarbe Avram Goldar and Tehir Moseches Yuma Daf Yud Alf. The first parak Shiva's Yami. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the Rabbanan taught in the Bryce. The pasuk says, "Ubisha and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This teaches that whether they are gates of houses, gates of courtyards, gates of provinces, or gates of cities, Yesh ben Chovas Mitzvah Lamakam, they all have a Mitzvah to the Omnipresent. For it says, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word gates is plural. Rashi explains that Shari Medinos, gates of provinces, require mezuzahs in a case where the province is surrounded by mountains and forests for many miles, and people can only enter through gates. He mentions the land of Hagar, which is presumably Hungary, as an example of such a province. Point number two is taught in a brisa, in the case of a kippah, a curved archway, Remir requires a mezuzah and the Chomim exempt it from a mezuzah. But they agree that if its legs, referring to the archway sides, have a height of 10 fach before they begin to arch inward, the archway requires a mezuzah since we can entirely ignore the curved portion and use the vertical sides of 10 fachim as the side post. Abai clarifies that Rabbi Mir and the Chomim disagree in a case when the archway is 10 fachim high and the archway's legs have a height of three tfachim before the opening between them narrows to less than that of four tfachim. But the archway is not four tfachim wide along the entire minimum height of ten tfachim. However, the wall surrounding the archway is large enough to allow one to carve into it to complete the entranceway to the full four tfachim along the height of the ten tfachim. Remir holds, we view the entrance as if it's enlarged since it has potential to do so, but the Rabban hold, we do not take the potential into account, but consider the archway as it presently stands. Point number three is Tana Brisa, basic Nessus, basic issue, basic Shutfing, Chayevis Bemezuzah, Shul, a house of a woman, and a house owned by partners require a mezuzah. Now, one might have thought, Beisecha, your house, implies, and not her house, and not their houses, referring to a shul and a house owned by partners. The Gemara asks why we don't actually derive these conclusions, and answer because the next Pasuk states, In order to increase your days and the days of your sons, Do these people who own houses independently have a need for a long life, but not women and partners? Of course not. The Gemara then asks them, what is the need for the Pasuk stating, and brings Rav who answers, The word, your house may be read, your entry, indicating that the mezuzah should be affixed the way you enter. And when a person lifts his feet to enter a house, he lifts his right foot first. The Torah therefore teaches that the mezuzah should be affixed on the right side as a person enters. So once again, the three topics are number one, the Rabbanan Tanah the Pasuk says, Ubisharecha, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This teaches that whether they are gates of houses, gates of courtyards, gates of provinces, or gates of cities, yesh behen chovas mitzvah lamakum, they all have a mitzvah to the omnipresent, where it says, uksavtam amzos beisechu and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word gates is plural. Rashi explains that shari medinos, gates of provinces, require mezuzahs in a case where the province is surrounded by mountains and forests for many miles, and people can only enter through gates. He mentions the land of Hagar, which is presumably Hungary, as an example of such a province. Point number two is taught in a brace in the case of a kippah, a curved archway. Rabbi Meir requires a mezuzah, and the chamim exempt it from a mezuzah. But they agree that if its legs, referring to the archway sides, have a height of ten tefachim, before they begin to arch inward, 
the archway requires a mezuzah since we can entirely ignore the curb portion and use the vertical sides of ten tefakim as the side posts. Abai clarifies that Rabbi and the Chum disagree in a case when the archway is ten tefakim high and the archway's legs have a height of three tefakim before the opening between them narrows to less than that of four tefakim. But the archway is not four tefakim wide along the entire minimum height of ten tefakim. However, the wall surrounding the archway is large enough to allow one to carve into it to complete the entranceway to the full four tefachim along the height of the ten tefachim. Remer holds, we view the entrance as if it's enlarged, since that has the potential to do so. But the Rabban hold, we do not take the potential into account, but consider the archway as it presently stands. And point number three, it was taught in a brisa, basic nesus, basic isha, basic shutvan chayeves, but mezuzah, a shul, a house of a woman, and a house owned by partners require mezuzah. Now, one might have thought, beisecha, your house implies, and not her house, and not their houses, referring to a shul and a house owned by partners. The Gemara asks why we don't actually derive these conclusions and answers, because the next Pusik states, laman yirbu yamechem yibeibenechem, in order to increase your days and the days of your sons. Hanu boy chaye, vani boy chaye, do these people who own houses independently have a need for a long life, but not women and partners? Of course not. So the Gemara then asks, then what is the need of the Pusik stating, Beisecha? And brings Rabbah who answers, Derek Biasecha. The word your house may be read, your entry, indicating that the mezuzah should be fixed the way you enter. And when a person lifts his feet to enter a house, he lifts his right foot first. The Torah therefore teaches that the mezuzah should be affixed on the right side as a person enters. Alright, so now we go to our Simber Daf Yudalf, and our standard simon is stars, like the 11 stars in Yosef's dream. So here goes. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars over every gate and made sure to include curved archways, shuls, and women's houses on the right side as people enter. Once again in slow motion. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars. Gold stars, that must mean we're on Duff Yudalov. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate. Which reminds the Rabban taught in a brace, the Pusik says, Ubisharecha, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Plural. This teaches that whether they are gates of houses, gates of courtyards, gates of provinces, or gates of cities, they have the Chovas Mitzvah of Mezuzah. Rush explains that, that Shari Medino's gates of provinces require mezuzahs in a case where the province is surrounded by mountains and forests for many miles and people can only enter through gates. So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate and made sure to include curved archways, which reminds us it was taught to Bryce, in the case of a kippah, a curved archway, Rabbi Meir requires a mezuzah, and the chamim exempted from a mezuzah. Abai clarifies that Rabbi Meir and the chamim disagree in a case when the archway is ten tefachim high, and the archway's legs have a height of three tefachim, before the opening between them narrows to less than that of four tefachim. But the archway is not four tefachim wide, along the entire minimum height of ten tefachim. However, the wall surrounding the archway is large enough to allow one to carve into it to complete the entranceway to the full four tefachim along the height of the ten tefachim. Rabbi Meir holds, We view the entrance as if it's enlarged since it has the potential to do so, but the Rabban holds, We do not take the potential into account, but consider the archway as it presently stands. So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars over every gate and made sure to include curved archways, shuls, and women's houses on the right side 
as people enter. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace of basic nesses, basic isha, basic shutfin, chayevitz, but mezuzah. A shul, a house of women, and a house owned by partners require mezuzah. One might have thought, beisecha, your house implies, and not her house, and not their houses, referring to a shul and house owned by partners. They were asked why we don't actually drive these conclusions and answer because the next Pasuk states, in order to increase your days and the days of your sons. Do these people who own houses independently have a need for a long life, but not women and partners? Of course not. The Gemara then asks, then what's the need of the Pasuk stating Beisecha? And brings Rabbah who answers Derek Biascha, the word your house, may be read your entry, indicating that the mezuzah should be affixed the way you enter. And when a person lifts his feet to enter a house, he lifts his right foot first. The Torah therefore teaches that the mezuzah should be affixed on the right side as a person enters. So once again, in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars over every gate and made sure to include curved archways, shuls, and women's houses on the right side as people enter. All right, so now it's time to go to our four block back Chazara. Dav Zayin, so the similar Dav Zayin is a gun, a clay Zayin, gun. So here goes. The sniper, sniper with a gun, that must mean we're on Dav Zayin. The sniper who shot the sheriffs that landed on the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered, which reminds us that Rav Sheshit brings the following as the source for his ruling, the Tumatuchuyi, but see, it was taught in a bright side of a Kohen standing and offering the Omer that became Tommy in his hand, he tells other Kohanim they bring another one in its place. If there's no other barley from the new crop available, we tell him, have you picked we should so be wise and remain sound. We see though that when there is another Omer available, it is brought in place of the original one, which implies Tuma Duchuyi Betzibur. Rav Nachman who holds Tuma Hutra Hibetzibur, I answered that he agrees that in cases where there are remnants fit for consumption, it's preferable to avoid making the communal offerings in Tuma. Rashi explains that even though a communal offering may be offered in a state of Tuma, without reservation, it cannot be eaten in Tuma except for the Pesach. So when an offering is meant to be eaten, we do what we can so it can be eaten in a state of Tahara. So the sniper who shot the sheriffs and landed on the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered, Davan on Yom Kippur, that he attained atonement when the Kohen Gadol went into the Kodesh Kodoshim without his tzitz. Which reminds us, the Gemara brings Malchukas Tanam regarding Tuma Hutra Hibat Sibur or Duchuyu Hibat Sibur. It was taught in the brace of Rabbi Shimon says that tzitz is Maratza whether it's on the Kohen Gadol's forehead or not. Rabbi Yudah says it's only Maratza when it's on his forehead. Rabbi Shimon challenged Rabbi Yudah based on the fact that the tzitz is not on the forehead of the Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur when he performs the inner avoda, and yet it's still Maratza. Rabbi Yudah replied that a proof from Yom Kippur is not effective since Tuma Hutra Lobet Sibur, because Tuma is permitted for him in regard to the community, and the tzitz is not needed to affect acceptance for the communal offerings. Rashi explains that the entire inner avoda consists of communal offerings. The Gemara concludes that this price implies that Rabbi Shimon holds Tuma that Tuma is merely overridden in regard to the community, and that Sitz is in fact needed to affect acceptance for a communal offering. So the sniper who shot the sheriffs that landed in the Omer in the hands of the Kohen as it was being offered, Davin and Yom Kippur that he attained atonement when the Kohen Gadol went into the Kosher Kadoshim without his Sitz, which he also never wore when he went to sleep. Which reminds us, Abai said the Rabbi Shimon reviewed agreed that if the Sitz is broken, it's not Maratza. They disagree when it's hanging on a peg, meaning that it's intact, but the Kongal is not wearing it. Rehuda says it's not Maratz because the Pesach states, Al-Metzach Benasa. It shall be on the Aaron's forehead so that he shall bear the sin of the sacred offerings, implying that it is only Maratz while it's on his forehead, Rabbi Shimon holds, that it is still Maratz even when it's not worn. As it says, Tamid Ratzum Livne Hashem. It shall be on his forehead always to bring them favor before Hashem. Rabbi Shimon said that the meaning of Tamid always cannot be literal. For how then does the Kongal go to the bathroom or go to sleep? He certainly is not permitted to wear the tzitz during those times. Ella tamid maratzahu. Rather, the term tamid always means that the tzitz is always maratzah, even when it's not worn. Davches, so the standard symbol for Davches is a challah. So here goes. 
The baker commissioned the big chalas. Chalas, that must be one daf ches. The baker commissioned the big chalas for Gohani when they were sequestered. Watch them walk from their daily hazal into their chambers, which reminds us that Gmar brings a three-way malchokas tonight regarding hazal for the kohen gadol before Yom Kippur, and for the kohen who will burn the paraduma. According to Rabbi Meir, they would both be sprinkled upon all seven days of their separation. Rabbi Yossi says they would only be sprinkled upon the third and seventh days. And Rachinina Skanakwanim says the kohen asorf is a par of koshiva. The kohen who was burning the par would be sprinkled upon during all seven days, but the kohen gadol before Yom Kippur would be sprinkled upon only on the third and seventh days. Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi both hold a mitzvah, immersion at its appointed time, is a mitzvah, meaning it must be done immediately upon the conclusion of one's tumor period. But they disagree whether makshinin hazal tavila. Rabbi Meir does, and Rabbi Yossi does not. Rabbi Chinina Skanakohanim also does not make the comparison, and he holds that sprinkling the cone who's to burn the paraduma all seven days is ma'alba'ama, merely a stringency. So the baker commissioned to bake chalas for Kohanim when they were sequestered, watched them walk from their daily hazal into their chambers. One for Tahara, where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which reminds us, it was Tanda Brisa, that there's no difference between the Kohen who burns the Paraduma and the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, except that regarding the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, his sequester is for Kedusha, and his fellow Kohanim may touch him. Rashi explains that as the Kohen Gadol prepares to enter the Machin and Shechina, we need to prevent him from being haughty or frivolous, so being put in solitude will make him reflect on his mission. However, there's no reason to forbid visitors from touching him. Whereas regarding the Kohen who will burn the Paraduma, his sequester is for Tahara, for purification. And his fellow Kohanim cannot touch him. Rashi explains that the purpose of a sequester was to be more machmir in his purity as a counterbalance to the kula of contaminating him and immersing him on the day of the burning to repudiate the opinion of the tzedukim. So the baker commissioned the bait chalas for Kohanim when they were sequestered, watched them walk from their daily hazan to their chambers, one for Tahar where no one could touch him, and the other for Kedusha, which was in the middle of renovations again. Which reminds us, it was taught in a Bryce that Rebuda says that the Lishkas Parhedon was originally called the Lishkas Balvate, the Chamber of Balvate, meaning aristocrats, because the Gohan and Godolan of that era were honorable men. Later they became wicked as they paid the king for their position instead of attaining it on their merits, and they died every year. As a result, the chamber was remodeled every 12 months for its new resident, and it was similar to the low-level appointees of the king called Parhedron, who were replaced every 12 months. Therefore they called it the Lishkas Parhedron. Daftes of the similar Daftes is a teapot. So here goes. More than 300 muzzle tub in your new position teapots. Teapots. That must be wrong enough. Tess. More than 300 muzzle tub in your new position teapots were smashed, which reminds us, Rabbi Baruch said in the name of Yochanan, what's the meaning of that which is written, Yiras Hashem Tosif Yamim, Ushnos Rishayim Tiksarna, the fear of Hashem will increase days, but the years of the wicked will be short. And the fear of Hashem will increase days is a reference to Mikdash Rishon, which stood for four and ten years, and throughout that period, only 18 Kohan and Gedolim served in it. But the years of the week will be shortened is a reference to Mikdashani, which stood for 420 years, yet more than 300 Kohan Gadoim served in it. So more than 300 muscle tub on your position teapots were smashed and piled up high in front of a cafe with three pictures of destroyed temples hanging on the walls, which reminds us, she was destroyed because of two things that were present there, immorality and irreverence of the Kachim. The Gemara explains that the morality was the behavior of Elia Cohen's sons, who delayed the one bringing bird offerings, which prevented them from returning home to their husbands, and the irreverence to Kachim was that they had their servants take the meat of the Shlamim before they entitled to them. Rabbi Yochanan continues and states that Bais Rishon was destroyed because of three things. Avodazor Gili arise from Shvichus Damim. Why was Bais Shani destroyed when we know they were involved with Torah, Mrs. Kmilo Sasadim? Because of Sinas Chinam. This teaches that Sinas Chinam is equal to the three cardinal sins of Avodazor Gili arise from Shvichus Damim. So, more than 300 muzzle to your new position, teapots were smashed and piled up high in front of a cafe with three pictures of destroyed temples hanging on the walls and where people sat and drank coffee 
pretending to be friends. Which reminds Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi both said, Rishonim Shinskala Avonim Niskala Kitsam, the earlier ones whose iniquity was revealed had their end revealed. Rashi explains that during Bias Rishon, when people transgress openly, made no effort to conceal their transgressions. Therefore, Yirmiyahu prophesied that the Galas and Babel would last seven years. Achronim Shil Niskala Avonim Niskala Kitsam, the later ones whose iniquity was not revealed, their end was not revealed. Rashi explains that the people during Bayashini did their transgressions in secret. The Marashah says they harbored unwarranted hatred toward their fellow men in their hearts, while in public they would eat and drink together. Daf Yud. So the simmer Daf Yud is a minion of Yidden. So here goes. The minion of Yidden. Minion of Yidden. That must be more Daf Yud. The minion of Yidden that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans, which reminds us, Rabbi Shubin Levi said in the name of Rabbi, I see the Rome should tip Rome is destined to fall into the hands of Persia based on a Pusik in Yermiel. Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Eli also said that Rome will fall into the hands of Persia based on a Kavachomer. Rav said, I see the Prash should tip Rome. Persia is destined to fall into the hands of Rome. When he was questioned whether it made sense that the builders, referring to Persia, should fall into the hands of the destroyers, referring to Rome, he answered, yes, Gezeris and Melchi, such is the decree of the king. Others say, the Rav answered that Persia also destroyed many synagogues. So the minion of Yidin that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans finally convinced the kids after nine months to play Mashiach times, which reminds where Yudah said in the name of Rav that Mashiach will not come until the wicked kingdom of Rome has overrun the entire world for nine months. As it says in Michal, Therefore he will surrender them until the time that one gives birth then the rest of his brothers, referring to the Mashiach's brothers, will return with B'nai Israel. Rashi on the Pasuk explains that after nine months, the rest of the Mashiach's brothers, referring to the rest of Shevet Yehuda, will join the other Shvatim and form a unified kingdom in Eretz Israel. So the minion of Yidin that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans finally convinced the kids after nine months to play Mashiach times inside a little chamber that wasn't a prison because it had a mezuzah affixed to the door. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace of Kol Shakusheib and Mikdash, all the chambers in the base of Mikdash had no mezuzahs, except for the Barhadron chamber, since it served as a dwelling for the Kohen Gadol the week before Yom Kippur. Yudha said that there were several chambers that served as dwelling places, referring to the places where the Kohanim Wavim, who guarded the base of Mikdash, would stay. Yet they had no mezuzahs. Rather, it was a Durabanan requirement that the Lishkas Barhadron had a mezuzah. The Gemara on base brings Rava's explanation that according to Rabbi Yehuda, Diras Balkorcha Loshmadira, an enforced residence, is not considered a residence. Therefore, the Lushkas Parhedrin was not Chaim in the Raisa to have a mezuzah. The Rabbanan enacted a Chi mezuzah, Shua Yomru Kongado Chavish Surin, in order that people should not say the Kongado is locked in jail. The absence of the mezuzah would draw attention to the forced nature of his stay. Alright, now it's time to click with our pop quiz of 10 questions plus. Three bonus questions from previous Mesechus. Number one. Which stepped in the reason the Lushkas Barhedron had a mezuzah in the Rabban was so that it should not look like the Kongado was locked in a jail? That's on Duff. Yud. Good. Number two. Which stuff did we learn the causes of the Churban of Shiloh by Rishon and by Sheni? That's on Duff. Tess. Good. Number three. Which stuff did Melchus between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim whether Chokim Lahashlin when it comes to fixing a mezuzah in a kippah, a curved archway? That's on Duff. Yudolf. Good number four. Which stuff when the Mashiach comes after Rome overruns the entire world for nine months? That's on Duff. Yud. Good number five. Which stuff do we learn from Beisecha, Derek Biascha, that one affixes a mezuzah on the right side since a person enters a house right foot first? That's on Duff. 
Yudolf. Good number six. Which stuff we learned that the name of the Lishka for the Kohen Gadol was changed from Lishka's Balvate to Lishka's Parhedrim because the Kohanim were not worthy and kept changing every year like low-level appointees of a king. That's on Dav. Ches. Good number seven. Which stuff we learned over 300 Kohanim Gadolim served them by Shani, not living out their year. That's on Dav. Test. Good number eight. Which stuff we learned the Kohen Gadol does not need to wear that sits when he enters the inner avoda on Yom Kippur. That's on Dav. Zion. Good. Number nine. Which stuff to is whether Rome will fall into the hands of Persia or Persia will fall into the hands of Rome. That's on Duff. Good. Good. And number ten. Which stuff to all gates, including the gates of provinces, require mezuzahs. That's on Duff. Yudolf. Good. And now the three bonus questions. Number one. Which stuff to the one should not call Avraham Avram? That's on Duff. Yud Gimel Brachos. Good. Number two. What's something going about the value of marrying a Bas Tom Lechachim? That's on Duff. Mem Tesem Sachim. Good. And number three. Which stuff do we discuss the status of animals found wandering between Yerushalayim and Migdal Eder? That's on Duff. Chafin Shalom. Excellent. All right. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichur. Wishing you a great day and great learning.